1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then
2: Judy discovered jumbocasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: So we have Telly Leung and Joey Monda, who are the talented producers of the amazing new documentary Ensemble, which is streaming on Broadway On Demand. Telly was on Broadway with Aladdin, Allegiance, Godspell, and so many more, and you might know Joey cuz he was a producer on Hades Town, Mrs. Doubtfire, Slave Play, and a few others. So I'm so excited to have them both here to talk about their amazing documentary and dive into their careers. Hi guys.
0: Hey Mason, thanks for taking the time to chat.
1: Good morning. How are you, Mason? I'm doing fine. So excited to talk. If you guys want to start out, what was your path to theater in general? And then we'll get into the
3: documentary later. Joey, I'll let you start.
0: <laughs> um, okay. Uh so in theater in general, oh lord. Uh like many theater kids, I'm sure, uh I had terrible ADD as a child and had no affinity for sports and athletics, and so my parents were desperate for a release for such energy and so somehow they thought to put me into theater because I loved to sing along and memorize all the Disney movies and thought I was Mary Martin uh, in Peter Pan in my living room all the time (laughs) and so that just stuck when I was about five or six they got me involved in community theater and uh, I was able to make a lot of great friends and everything, and so I ended up majoring in uh, musical theater at Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio for college, and then moved to New York and realized that I could get to Broadway a heck of a lot faster working on this side of the table than doing the route that Kelly did, uh, and it's stuck, and I'm very fortunate and love what I get to do every day. There's the 30,000-foot the answer, Kelly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, it, you had Mary Martin, and I think me as a five year old, I I had Julie Andrews because every during the holidays it was always they would always show uh, Sound of Music and Mary Poppins on TV. So I think my in was Julie Andrews. And I think another sort of moment that that sort of hooked me in was uh, PBS when I saw the the telecast of Into the Woods filmed live at the Martin Beck Theater, which is now the Al Hirschfeld Theater. And this happened when I was eight, and it was during a pledge drive on PBS. So, you know, they kept showing it over and over again, this episode of great performances And at intermission, they would do a pledge drive. And I remember, and I'm dating myself here, grabbing my VHS tape, setting it on SLP <laughs> so that it could record four to six hours of content. And um, I wore out that tape. I wore it out because I would watch Into the Woods over and over again. So for me, it was Julie Andrews and probably Bernadette Peters as the witch that got me in um, but I will also say that I started doing it for fun in high school, and I went to a math and science high school. So this was definitely not what I was supposed to be doing by any means. You know, I think my parents had high aspirations for me to go to Harvard, become a doctor, and um, and and or, an, or a lawyer, or an engineer, or something like that. And I was definitely on the path to do that. But I definitely also needed to have friends and a life and a community outside of just academics at my math and science high school. So, doing high school musicals is sort of what got me in, and I think I got not only hooked to the performing part, but I got hooked to the 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 friendships that I made doing theater and the bonds that I made doing theater that are lifelong. I think, in fact, I'm still chasing that as a professional now. That I just, I just like making things with people I like, and it's an excuse to hang out. <laughs> um, and then at the end of it, you make something really great. Uh, so it was in high school that that somebody told me, "Hey, you know, you could do this as a job. Like, there you can actually get a degree in this." So my, on the behest of my acting teacher at Carnegie at um at a uh, Stuyvesant, which is the math and science high school, she said, why don't you apply to Carnegie Mellon? It's a great acting school. In fact, it's one of the oldest degrees in acting, in performance in the country. I knew nothing about the school. And also, again, I'm going to date myself, but back in those days, uh, you couldn't like Google the, the <laughs> college. There was no website. You know, I, I went to college in 1998. There was no internet. So all I had to go by was my acting teacher saying Carnegie Mellon's a great school. They sent me a brochure and we also had the giant Princeton Review college books, where the top five hundred colleges each college was a page, and there were stats of you know this is how what your s a t scores need to look like. This is where the college is at. You're in a city or a, or a country or the suburbs. Here are some famous alumni that you might know. I mean, so that's all I had to go by i didn't I didn't even visit the school until I got in, and then I realized, oh my gosh, this is the Hogwarts of theater. I love it. <laughs> So so that that was my in. Yeah.
1: And I could not imagine not having Google. Um,
3: <laughs> old.
1: Old. <laughs> um. So can you guys just give a quick synopsis of what your documentary is about?
3: Sure. Uh, so uh, one of our friends from Allegiance, you know, Joey and I had worked on Allegiance together, uh, Aaron Albano. He and his friend Mo Brady, who has a wonderful podcast called The Ensemblist that he's run for many years, that celebrates ensemble members and sort of those unsung heroes who are performers uh, that we don't hear about all the time in press releases and Playbill.com and all of that. Uh, They had this idea during the lockdown. You know, March of 2020 was an unprecedented time for all artists, for our entire industry. We've never experienced a shutdown like that. Well, in March of 2021, what Aaron and Mo wanted to do was gather. 13 ensemble members into a room for a dance class, probably the first time some of these dancers have danced in almost a year, and then gather them for a socially distanced conversation about... COVID, about everything we've gone through, about the industry, how the industry has changed. In many ways, they were inspired by a chorus line. Aaron was in the the chorus line revival on Broadway. And they said, listen, it's been all over 50 years since we've had a conversation about the ensemble, what it means to be a dancer. And what it means to be an ensemble member has changed so much. And now keep this in mind. This is March of 2021. This is post- George Floyd, everything that happened the summer of 2020, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. We are we are having all of these sort of difficult but necessary conversations about racial and social justice and representation in the theater. And and not only that, there was no there was no Broadway is back date at this time. And in fact, none of our participants at this time in March of 2021 were vaccinated. So there wasn't, nobody, we had to sit in a socially distanced circle. We had to even make sure that, we had to even find a place that was willing to even have a masked dance class. So because of this, we said, you know what? We really do need to gather these people together and, and sort of capture this moment as a time capsule of what has happened to us not only as an industry and as a community, but what has happened to us as a, the world, and make sure that we capture this so that future generations to come can learn the lessons that we've learned, sort of sort of see us at our most vulnerable and uncertain, and hopefully get some inspiration and strength and knowledge from that. So that's what you're seeing in Ensemble. You're seeing sort of a, a moment in time, a time capsule of and and you know, for Joey and I as producers, we knew that this was a fleeting moment. That this was going to be gone the minute we were going to have vaccines. The minute we were, Broadway was was going to have a date where we came back, there was so there was going to be a movement to get back to quote unquote business as usual. And we might not have these conversations again. So for us, we 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 just said, let's get these dancers together. Let's have them dance. Let's get them liquored up a little and have them talk for four to five hours in a dance studio. And then we sent them home and we said, why don't you also do some at-home testimonials to say all the things you probably didn't get to say in that circle together. And we just kept the cameras rolling. And we had no idea what we were going to get, you know? Yeah. So that was part of it. Part of the fun too was going, I don't know what people are going to say. Are people going to? Break down crying? Are people gonna have very heated discussions about everything that that's happened in our world? Uh, we have no, we had no idea, and but I, what I do, do think we got is something very authentic. Yeah. Did you have anything to add to that, Joey?
0: No, Kelly got it all. It's almost like he and I coordinate our answers on things like this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, we were so. I mean, and in some ways, we were just so. Joey and I, you know, have produced other things together, and we've even produced things in a pandemic together. So we already had experience meeting that challenge, um, but we felt so passionately. We immediately, the both of us, were like, "Oh, we have to do this. We must capture this." And we were united in sort of the reason why.
0: I think it also goes, Telly, to kind of both of us had a commonality in our in, in the first question of how we got into theater, which was, you know, captured theater, whether it was Into the Woods or with me for Mary Martin and Peter Pan, and. So that was also kind of this moment, and it's also been a passion project of how can we be capturing all of these different elements of theater, whether it's the actual Broadway musical or how the show gets to Broadway and all of these different uh, steps and parts of the business so that the little Joey's and the little tellies, wherever they are in the world uh, can also have an into this uh, industry and this art form that we all love so much. And also realizing that it's not as glamorous as that it might become on face value, that this idea that it is a business, there's a reason why we call it show business, and doing eight shows a week is really taxing on your body, on your mental health. And those are all of these conversations that we're having both as industries, as artists. And I think that the opportunity to capture this in such a unique, authentic, and vulnerable way uh was really interesting also just because it was some it's a, it's a documentary it's a content that I would have loved growing up and I think that there's a lot of other people uh and broadway lovers that will do the same.
3: I will yeah. also brag on Joey a little bit during the the most vulnerable and uncertain times of the lockdown Joey started this wonderful thing on Zoom called a called the All Brain Trust. It was like a Broadway producing brain trust and not many people know this but basically Joey gathered young producers together to go We're at a time where our industry is at this pivotal moment of, do we survive? Do we not? Is theater dead? And when it comes back, how do we want it to come back? And I think this documentary in some ways is an extension of that because both of us as young producers, well, we we definitely want to be the next generation of people putting out theater and creating content and telling stories. But we also know that significant changes have to happen as far as whose stories get told, who is behind the table, (laughs) transparency as far as how theater gets funded and made, you know, uh, so that people sort of know this is why unions do what they do. This is why producers do what they do. This is, you know, uh, so that we can all sort of be part of that conversation. There's a moment in our documentary where these 13 dancers gather together and they all admit very vulnerably, do you know what a producer does? We have no idea what a producer does. We have no idea how this works because for all of their careers, what they focused on was the craft, the art, the dancing. They didn't. They weren't focused on the other side of it, which is how the mechanics of the business is run. Well, all of a sudden, there's an event that shuts down our entire industry and we're all forced to sort of know that, right? So in, in some ways, I think Joey and I want ensemble to be a continuation of these great conversations that, that he sort of curated on Zoom, part of this brain trust, and have them be conversations that happen now after people watch the documentary, that people keep talking about this so that we become better producers for the next generation. You know, That's the only way Joey and I get better as well as theater makers is by hearing from the folks who have to do it, right? That's beautiful.
1: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
2: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: So answering the big question, what is the job of a producer from your perspective?
3: Ooh, I'll let Joey go <laughs> first. I'll let Joey go first because I, you know, jo- Joey wears a producer hat more, more often than I do.
0: Um, Being a producer is uh, filling any void in the job pipeline that somebody else isn't hired to do is essentially what being a producer is. So it's everything from having the idea of what story you want to tell, finding the right people to tell that story, raising the money and creating the room and the environment for that story to be told and thrive. And then all of the work to make sure that there are people to hear and receive that story. Because at the end of the day, you can create the most beautiful and best art possible, but what's it really doing if nobody's there to see it? And so I think at the most basic level of being a producer, it's finding stories, it's creating an environment for them to thrive and to be told in their most interesting and exciting ways, and then finding and eliciting the audiences to see and engage with
3: that story. I will piggyback on everything Joey just said, and I agree with all of it. And I will also say that because of that, because that is what a producer does, that anybody can be a producer. Anybody with the desire to tell a story and anybody with sort of the passion to do it is a producer. I, I will be the first to admit, I, am, I usually wear an actor hat. And there's many things about producing that I don't know. And part of what I have to do as a young producer is call my friend Joey, who does this all the time, and go, wait, I have a question about this. I don't know how to do this. I want to do this. This is my idea of how to do this. But it's really, anybody can be a producer. You don't, all you have to do is ask about the things you don't know. And, I, and, and really, I think a producer is somebody who bring, really brings people together at the end of the day. you know, A, a producer is the one that goes, hey, this is, there's this great idea. We need help. In this department, I know a great, you know, lighting designer that would be perfect for this. I know a great director that would be really great for this. And that director is connected to other designers and other artists. You know who needs to, you know, who needs to be the lead actor in this? This person, this particular casting director has a great eye for the kind of story that we're trying to tell. Let's bring that person on board. And eventually, it, it's it's really it's really the person that that sort of builds the room, whether it be an f- actual physical room or a virtual room these days, um, to make art happen.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that's one of the unique things about Ensemble is in coming out of COVID, one of the evolutions of people in our business, regardless of if they're actors or designers or stagehands or producers, is the necessity for all of us to start wearing different hats and being multi-hyphenates and starting to tell our stories in different ways. And so in the same way that Aaron and Mo you know, who came from different backgrounds. Mo also used to be a performer as well. And, you know, they came up with this idea and they brought on, they brought Kelly and I on to help produce this. And then in the same way, our brilliant director, Pierre, who has shot, he is our director of photography. He shot, edited all of this and directed it. Um, He's also a performer in Aladdin. And I think it speaks to as the industry and musical theater moves forward, all of us have to start being open to telling uh, to wearing different hats and looking at theater and looking at what we do from all of these different perspectives and lenses, because that's only going to create a, a more holistic and exciting industry and art is that if we all know how to do this from different ways and have different perspectives that we bring to the table.
3: Yeah, that's amazing. And I want, and I want folks to know that when they watch the film that we had what three or four cameras? Three or four cameras there, Joey, that night. Three, three cameras there that night, and we had some drone shots as well. All of our camera guys are also ensemblists. All of our camera folks that that like shot the thing. So this really is something that is made for us and by us in a lot of ways. And um and again, ensemble ensemble folks that are wearing different hats than they're used to, you know, as Joey said during during a shutdown. Thank goodness for those other hats, right? Or we wouldn't survive. We wouldn't. A, eat or B, or B, um, uh, be able to express ourselves.
1: That's awesome. Joey, you touched on transparency and you talked in depth with my friend Martina Cunha on his podcast, but I wanted to see what do you think those of us working in the industry can do to reform and uplift people instead of how it's going now?
0: Oh, that's a really interesting question, Mason. I mean, obviously, when you're talking about systemic change, it kind of requires every single person that is a part of the system to be active in, I'll use the word dismantling, so dismantling that system or evolving that system. And so I think you know, transparency, Telly and I have had so many conversations, and I've had so many conversations with other producers and other people about how I really think that transparency is the biggest thing. That we can all agree on and have to bring to the table as we move forward. There's this, you know, an inherent sense of us versus them in a lot of the conversations that we're having, whether it's producers and and talent, or whether it's talent and di- like the in the different unions with each other. And I think at the end of the day, that uh, sense of distrust is bred because of a lack of transparency and a lack of us being able to all get into, the, into a room or at a, sit at a table together and say, here is what I'm trying to accomplish, and here are all of the obstacles that I'm facing, and really talking through a lot of that. And it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not the way that any of us are programmed. It's not the way that uh, the business has operated. But it is definitely the first and the biggest step that I think we can take as we all are looking to create an equitable playing field for an, an industry, an art form, a world that has done so much to disenfranchise so many people. And so I think when we're talking about diversity and equity, it's not only racial, it's not only gender, it's bringing in, it's not only able-bodied. It's bringing in people from different economic backgrounds. It's bringing in people from different, like we've been talking about, different fields, whether they are a performer and everything. And I think that this transparency and just being able to have somebody that like Telly, can call on me and ask, making sure that we all are making ourselves those experts and those open uh, experts for anybody to call on us on our field of expertise is really important.
3: Yeah. To me, it's. I think that there is this idea and for sure this is an idea that is rooted in capitalism that there is only so there's only so much room at the table that like at some point like there's only so much room at the table and the food's gonna run out right and like I have to say in the world of theater uh, and and as far as uh, as far as making art and telling stories there there it's in the supply of stories and who can be a producer and who should be telling I think that that's infinite I think there's room at the table for everyone right like not every show is going to be a broadway show not every show is going to be a, a commercial show but for sure we have to make we we should make an effort to make sure that artistically everybody gets a seat at that table right and that um and, and to me i think that's the idea of that moving forward is is necessary As we sort of think about what representation looks like, not just on stage, because I feel like we've sort of been doing that. There's a movement to get diversity on the stage, what we can see uh, that, but I think now it's important to go, okay, but how does this organization run, right? Who are the people on the design team? And also understand that like the more people at the table, actually, it's not that there's less to be had for everyone. It's actually, it actually makes the meal better. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you sit at a dinner table and everybody's from the same background, everybody's the same age, everybody's the same everything, everybody does the same job. It's a pretty boring conversation. You bring somebody into that dinner table who has a completely different perspective than you, you probably leave that dinner learning something and about yourself, about that person, about the world. And isn't that really what theater should do? That we should all gather and leave knowing something different about ourselves and the world, right? So. I say, I don't know, bring, 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 bring somebody you, you've never met before to dinner, I guess would be the analogy.
0: And I think also, you know, I want to shout out because there are a lot of people that are having these conversations. There are a lot of groups and a lot of amazing producers that are looking at how to, um, pull, you know, get rid of the opaqueness around producing. And so, like, there's these groups called Theater Producers of Color. There's uh, the group called the Industry Standard Group. Um, there's a whole bunch of different organizations that I would really encourage anybody who's just interested in learning more about producing that can take these, like, int- um, there, there's also a group of women that, uh, a group called the Business of Broadway that also, like, these are just one-on-one conversations and, like, introductions so that everybody can have a better sense of understanding and we can really pull apart what is a being a producer and how can more people do it. Because that is certainly, there's still a a huge barrier to entry because inherently on Broadway, when we're talking about producing, or even when we're talking about producing this documentary, it's about raising money. It's like, that's a huge part of being a producer in commercial capitalism theater. And so I think having these other great entry points for people to be able to access, uh, I highly recommend people being able to do that because that's something that I didn't have and would have made it a lot more... uh, Just accessible. And I think that that's a a really exciting trend in our industry. And there are other people doing really amazing and exciting work as well.
1: That's amazing. Now, getting into my last few questions. So, I've asked this in every single one of my interviews, and I keep getting fascinating answers. So, uh, why not continue? Do you think that your education has pushed you further in your career or your experience working in the field? Mason, you're full of the interesting questions (laughs) on a Saturday morning.
0: I'll jump in and say, I don't, um, certainly not one more than the other, uh, but one would not have been possible without the other. Like if I didn't have the education and if I didn't have kind of the foundational elements of my quote training, um, you know, I, like I said, I came from a performing background. My, my degree is in musical theater performance, but that again, we're just telling stories. And so Without me having that sense of storytelling and understanding from, like, the onstage perspective, uh, I certainly don't think my producing work or the stories that compel me as an audience member would be possible or the same without that. So I think that, like, they they definitely are of equal value if I look back uh, in, my, in my experience.
3: Since I'm the old one on this conversation, <laughs> and I've been doing this for over 20 years, I you know, I definitely have a great respect for my formal education. I went to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, like I said, and it's a wonderful place to train, but it's only the beginning of your training. So, you know, if you think that you're going to go to a school like Carnegie Mellon or Michigan and, and, and graduate with, with one of these prestigious degrees in theater and then be done training, you're wrong. Because guess what? Like the, the industry will constantly be forcing you to be a student all over again. And I think that, if anything, the pandemic has taught all of us that, right? like as we get locked down at home, I've had to figure out how to be my own lighting designer and and green screen operator and you know audio engineer if I were to do a podcast i mean we've all had to do that, you know, and now you know for me this this musical theater performer who's gotten a lot of <laughs> singing and dancing training is now figuring out how to produce you know so it's um you're you're I, I always like to say. To my students, and I do a, a fair bit of teaching myself now, I, I always like to say, hashtag student for life, you know, that you're never quite done learning. You'll always be a student. And that, and that that's the best part, actually, that it's impossible to know it all and that there's always something to learn in the theater. And isn't that great?
1: That's fantastic. And you are an amazing audio engineer. You sound am- amazing. <laughs> 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 um, Well, do you guys have any tips for those wanting to get into the industry that you haven't already mentioned of either being a performer or being a producer or anything, since we also have a multi-hyphenate sound engineer, lighting designer, green screen operator?
3: (laughs) Um, I'll start, and I'll say this, that doing Ensemble has been such a rewarding experience because it, it has given Joey and I an opportunity to learn from a group of people that we I think we knew on one level, right? Here's the thing with Broadway ensemble members. They are amazing. Amazing. What they are able to do with their voices, with their bodies, we marvel at that. And they make it look easy eight times a week. Well, guess what? You get them in a room and you give them a platform and an opportunity to speak about their lives, their industry, the things that they've had to give up in order to do that. And you learn so much about them as artists, as craftspeople. And as human beings, as citizens of the world, what's important to them? So I, to me, I would say, if you have the means to do so, and if you have the passion to do so, make sure you are lifting those stories we haven't heard yet. It will be not only rewarding for the person that gets to tell it, it'll be rewarding for the people who get to listen. And it'll be rewarding for people like Joey and I to be able to go, here, we're, pa- we're giving you this platform. We're passing the mic to you. Please tell us your story because we want to learn from you. Yeah, that's beautiful, Joey. Did you have anything?
0: Um, I think to just piggyback on what Telly said, it's also making sure that you're exposing yourself, and that you, as a as a person, are doing the work to take in as much as many different types of stories as possible. Whether that's making sure you're reading books from a variety of authors, you're seeing plays and musicals, and doing the actual analysis on yourself as an audience member if if creating theater or do and telling these stories is what you want to do as your livelihood and for your living really being analytical about it and what are those stories what what moves you what is interesting and exciting about those stories and those themes for you and then having a sense of yes and how can i tell more how can i really create the opportunity for more people to hear the types of stories and the types of theater that really excite me.
1: Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I'm so excited to see the documentary. And by the time this episode is out, um, I think it will be out because it comes out the 11th, correct? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Friday, March 11th on Broadway On Demand.
1: Yes. Um. So I'm so excited to see that. And thank you guys so much for being here.
3: Thanks, Mason. This was great. Thanks for having us, Mason.